Aggrandizing self-pity and missed opportunities on the Pottery Barn on this episode of Of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. Folks, I'm the Ben of that. And I'm the Leslie. This is a twice-monthly podcast about Netflix original comedy series BoJack Horseman. And Leslie, my friend, what episode are we talking about today? We are talking about episode three of season four. Hooray! Todd episode! The Mr. Peanut Butter gubernatorial campaign soldiers on with some means-tested stances on fracking, while Todd, everyone's favorite sidekick, runs rampant across Los Angeles running errands for other members of the cast. When a mysterious stranger shows up to Bojack Horseman's doorstep with a claim to the family name and a bottle full of chloroform, it's up to Todd to decide how to break it to his former best friend. All right, let's talk about it. A distinct emphasis on former because it appears our dynamic duo has kind of parted ways. Yeah, so uh, at the end of season three, of course, they get into that big conversation. Um, and in this episode, we do see Bojack and Todd finally interacting, um, but only because he has been tracked down by... None other than new cast member Holly Hawk shows up for the first time in this episode. You know what, let me, uh, you keep talking. I'm going to consult the BoJack Horseman wiki so I can get the full last name of that character. Todd is found at Mr. Peanut Butter's by Holly Hawk, who is a newly uh, appearing character, someone we have not seen before. She claims that there is a chance that she might be specifically the daughter of BoJack Horseman. And... I really, really enjoy that one of the major plots for Todd running around and doing all of this stuff that he is asked to do is that he's asked to get this DNA sample um, for Holly Hawk so that he can find out whether or not she is Bojack's daughter, presumably. I do appreciate the the visual gag of him running back and forth to the pharmacy to find out <laughs> whether or not he needs this or he needs that. Uh, Great visual gags there. This is generally a very funny episode. One of the more farcical ones, but I still think there's plenty of depth. I, I by the way, especially appreciate. Yes. Hey, you know we need a sample from her too, right? Yeah. The full name is Hollyhock Manheim Manheim Guerrero Robinson Zilberschlag Son Fonzarelli McQuack. I always remember the Fonzarelli McQuack part, but everything else. Well, I remember the Manheim Manheim and the Fonzarelli McQuack, and everything else in the middle is just a huge. Blur. Uh, it is worth noting that Mannheim, Mannheim, uh, one is spelled with one N and one is spelled with two Ns. So, yes, I don't know. That's just funny yes. to me. Mannheim, <laughs> uh, Mannheim, 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 Guerrero, Robert, <laughs> fuck. Hollyhock, Mannheim, Mannheim, Guerrero, Robinson, Zilberschlagerson, Fonzarelli, McQuack. Yes. Lord. And that is because she has eight polyamorous gay dads. Less obviously. You love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. What? What? He said. Uh, of course. Less. Of course. There we go. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah um, right before he says one of my favorite lines, if not my favorite line in this episode, which is, "That's a terrible thing to say to a baby," <laughs> when when she was told him that uh, as a child she was told that she looked like Bojack Horseman. Um. Good stuff. Yeah. For real. Uh, this is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be, I might be, uh, hitting my favorite joke a little too early, but I do love the phrasing of like, will you tell your family and or law firm? Yes. Yeah. I'm not familiar with your family and or law firm. Yeah. yeah. There we go. <laughs> that that's, is a good one. It. That is a very good one. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. So, so um, lots in here. Lots about the 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 Todd and Bojack relationship. Uh, you mentioned a, a conversation from the end of season three. That is the famous uh, line that we cite a lot on this show. The uh, you have to do better. You can't just say it. Uh, that whole conversation where where um, Todd insists, you know, you can't just keep like <laughs> you can't just keep fucking up you know, over and over and over again, you actually have to make an effort to do better. Um, and, you know, absolutely unsurprisingly between season three and season four, uh, if there is uh, any sort of internal growth in Bojack, it is not externally relayed to other people. Um, because I'm sure, look, I, I am sure that his uh, experience in that cabin for like a year and his um, kind of friendship with Eddie um, absolutely affected him. And and that'll that'll I'm sure pan out later, uh, later in the season and 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 on onward. Uh, but he does not treat anybody else around him differently, and that's kind of the key part. Yeah, definitely. I do enjoy that the conversation that Todd and Bojack have at his house when he does run back into him. Um, you know, Bojack obviously still wants Todd in his life and offers him the couch, and Todd abruptly says, "You know, no, it's you know, it's good to see you again." No. Um, and also when he says that, you know, we haven't talked in about a year and that's kind of working for me. Uh, so that's a little bit sad, but also we get a fantastic bit of growth and camaraderie between them when Todd does confess to Bojack that he is fairly certain that he is asexual. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting conversation. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, Bojack is, a fairly supportive actually uh you know he makes a joke about i wish i was asexual because then i wouldn't have a strain of herpes <laughs> yes i know i have several strains but the joke only works with the a no i, I love the way he i love the, the there, there's a certain flow in this show the the way they handle the interruptions uh that works really well but i just love the uh yeah. the, the way the way yeah. they manage to cut each other off and the flow of the joke still works yeah Oh, there is a complete... Please do continue with what you were going to say, but there is a full list of the first and last names of uh, every single one of Hollyhock's parents. Oh, is that right? Yes, there sure is. Did that all come from canon when we meet them later? Apparently. Which, spoiler alert, we meet them later. <laughs> yes, yes. I Here's the thing. I can almost like picture that shot from the cartoon of like all of them standing around because oh, one of the dads yeah. quite literally looks like Howard the Duck. Yeah, he kind of does. That I, I imagine that would be the McQuack one. <laughs> no, weirdly, it's Zilcherberg. Yeah, uh, no, or sorry, <laughs> Zilberschlag. I completely messed that name up, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Mannheim, Steve Mannheim, Jose Guerrero, uh, Coop Robinson Third, Otto Zilberschlag, Arturo Iceman Fonzarelli, uh, Gregory Sung, and uh, Quackers McQuack. Quackers McQuack. Okay. Okay. Yeah, who looks like a shorter so, um, Howard the Duck. So this is obviously a very Todd-centric episode in general, um, in which we see his daily activities. Uh, in this one, a couple of interesting things happen that are going to advance the plot forward throughout the rest of the season. Uh, the most obvious one being when he is told that he should sign Mr. Peanut Butter's name on anything, and then it immediately bites him in the ass and the entire campaign in the ass when 
Now it, it appears as though uh, Mr. Peanut Butter is going to be pro-fracking. That's a thing now that they have to deal with. Yeah, yeah, it certainly is, which, um, which I believe uh, allows us a fun little entryway to talk about means testing. Mm. Um, a, a phantom specter that hangs over our modern, uh, boy, our modern political process. But uh, when you live in a nation uh, the size of ours, uh, and you are dedicated to not winning an election, uh, you turn to means testing, mm. which is the process of waiting to decide what your stances are until the polls come in. Uh, this is as simple as uh, a joke that is repeated a lot in political satire and movies about politics, where like, you know, you might see like a more uh, like a, a a centrist or Democrat coded candidate in a movie or whatever and like some assistant is holding up two ties and saying like you know voters in iowa said that a blue tie you know will will indicate leadership at during this debate or whatever right that that's kind of a you know uh the more the more casual by the way a thing that i 100 percent believe actually does happen <laughs> yes oh yeah no it actually it absolutely does absolutely yeah, I'm sure every single one of, like, you know, Hillary Clinton's power suits or whatever goes through, like, four different rounds of approval before she wears it on the debate stage or whatever. Right. You know, and yada yada. What are the connotations of this shade of lavender or whatever? Um, and then Bernie Sanders mm. wears the same five suits, so good for him. Uh, <laughs> that's not a dig. <laughs> I wish it were just like that. Um, right? But yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes it's as, an, it's as innocuous as a tie choice, and then sometimes it's shit like going back to Clinton... Uh, her not coming out in support of gay marriage until it was politically viable to do so in like 2011 or whatever that was. Right, um, right. Or um, the, the modern democratic stance is to really not take a, is to side with whatever the majority is, whether or not that is progressively good or bad. Um, right. And, you know, to wait to make a statement until it's politically viable to do so. And that's how you get like, you know, even uh, even Mitt Romney, who ran as a more centrist candidate, was like constantly flip flopping his views based off of uh, polling data. That's yeah, wasn't he though? I no, I mean that that is one of the oh, things I boy. remember the most distinctly from that era of politics is like mm. how much he was lambasted for constantly flipping on things like socialized medicine or or, or whatever else. Yeah. Well, whatever whatever he thought would benefit him the most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, uh, not to get too personally political, uh, the but I mean the candidates that just take a stance and stick with it seem to be doing better. I mean, I was just gonna say I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that we are generally more aware now, uh, particularly more aware of how means testing is used. Uh, the advent of social media and up to the second news updates. Uh, makes people a lot more aware in general, and I think we can see through bullshit more easily. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There does also appear to be a trend where, like, picking a a more, well, I guess in the eyes of our uh, political spectrum, not necessarily in the global political spectrum, uh, but picking a more radical stance and just sticking with it seems to do better than trying to appease the most centrist, uh, which is yes. which is what democratic means testing seems to be about. And unfortunately, yeah. that works just as well for our side as it does for their side. Uh, Truth. Uh, because uh, nobody is scanning and approving Donald Trump's suits. If you catch my because he dresses <laughs> like a gross big man. Yes, this is all very true. 
Anywho. Oh, boy. Yeah. It comes up this episode in the form of Mr. Peanut Butter's uh, ex-wife, comma, campaign manager, um, basically telling him that he does not have a stance on fracking until we know what America's stance on fracking is. Uh, right. Whereas Diane, a person with, <laughs> checks notes, a principal, uh, mm. is telling him, please do not come out in favor of fracking. Fracking is extremely bad for the environment, as folks, it is. Um, yes, it is. Uh, you know, please, you know, don't wait for polling data on this one. Just take the good stance and run with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and meanwhile, Katrina yeah. is absolutely insistent. They wait for the poll data. And when the poll data doesn't show up because Todd doesn't sign for it, um, but Mr. Uh, Mr. Peanut Butter has to take the ultimate centrist position of not making it clear what his policy is. <laughs> Which is just to invoke yeah. a rousing speech about the nature of fracking and appeal to facts and the feelings. And feelings. Uh, about He's fracking. on the side of facts and also the side of feelings. Without actually ending up saying anything. Just kind of yeah. kind of buzzwording which his is, way through it. Which is what a lot of politicians do. Shakes fist in the air. Romney. Mm, Rom- Romney. And Democratic... Uh, Romney, Biden. Yeah, that was also part of Todd's adventure. Uh, let's see here. Uh, obviously, he has to... He has been asked by Mr. Peanut Butter and Katrina to stall Diane so that she does not find out that Mr. Peanut Butter has inadvertently now become pro-fracking. So so Todd has to go and get that distraction. Uh, and, he, and one of the cool things about this scene where he goes to Girl Crush and tries to distract her is that he tells her that he's got some really hot gossip um, after advising her that, you know, if she wants to get news out about stuff that matters, um, she should couch it in between, like a sandwich of gossip, right? Um, Which is, A, foreshadowing for something that she is going to do in season six um, with her Girl Crush videos. Don't want to go into that too much because I don't know how much of that you've seen. But, um... Uh, yeah, I have seen that episode uh, in which, folks, for some reason, I, I am woefully behind on. I, I think it's no longer that I have, I don't have time for it. I think that's like, I just don't want it to end. Mm, and if I watch well, it, it's over. Although that's also horseshit because there's still six more episodes coming out by the time we're recording this. Eight. Oh, eight. eight. Goodness me. There are eight more episodes coming. By the way, it's weird because I absolutely, uh, I did not have this trepidation about season five, which I absolutely thought was the ending. But anyway. Mm, yeah, you but, and me both. Yeah, well, we all did. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, meanwhile, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I absolutely have this trepidation now uh, where I'm just, uh, <laughs> I don't want it to end. I know, but it's gotta. So, anyways, not, anyway, not only was she, uh, not only was this foreshadowing what she will be doing in season six, but also if you think about it, um, much in the same way, that episode one is like sometimes, you know, you get kicked in the urethra for so much you just want something mellow. Uh, this is a little bit meta as to what the show itself is about. Uh, not so much couching important information in celebrity gossip, uh, but couching it in humorous, like couching uh, very, very deep and important emotional concepts in with, with all this humor. Just something that they do particularly, particularly egregiously i should say in this season it's it's used a lot in this season more than any others yeah there's a lot of heavy emotional themes coming up 
Yeah, the most basic form of comedy is to subvert expectations. Um, you know, that's why, um, folks, I'm about to explain the uh, the chicken crossing the road joke to you. Uh, the joke is that you think it's going to be something important, and it's not. To get to the other side, it's that straightforward. The chicken. The, I guess. Yep. The, I guess that's an explanation of anti-humor or whatever. But the most basic form is to you know, um, to subvert expectations. Uh, and so, but like the second level of humor is quite literally just to like to couch uncomfortable truths in humor. Like that is that is the most like right. common application is to like. You, you know, even, even like, you know, whatever, uh, you know, 70s stand-up about race, 80s stand-up about technology, you know, that kind of stuff. You know, or even that, um, you know, even that uh, Hannah Gatsby special that came out, like, about two years ago that everybody uh, was head over heels for, and rightfully so. Because, you know, it wasn't just a straightforward, um, a straightforward uh, uh, stand-up special. It was a discussion about coming to terms with your own trauma. And coming to and using right. humor as an escape and like, um, you know, she kept doing that thing where she would say like, you know, the the joke doesn't, you know, this is where I stopped the story right now because it's funny, but in reality, I had to process all of these emotions afterwards. And you know, she was, she was drawing a a comparison to, you know, what what the the polished up version of stories that we use for entertainment and comedy, and then uh, mm-hmm. reflecting that with like. But these are the real horrors that we actually have to deal with. Yeah. And anyway, like, yeah, that, that's what this show does so phenomenally well is, like, it is largely farce. Until it's extremely not. Yeah, I think that it becomes more obvious as the seasons go on that, that the approach is not as farcical as, as you believed going into season one. But... You were so gently taken to that place and so gently taken on that journey uh, through absurdist jokes and episodes such as this one that uh, you don't mind as much. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the first episode of the show is extreme, is just farce. You know, to the point mm-hmm. where I've recommended this show to other people and, like, they've been like, yeah, it just seems to be like a normal adult comedy. Like, it seems yeah, to be... Yeah, that's, I've had that issue too. And I've had to, like, you know... <laughs> not plead, not on my knees, but like insist to people like, no, 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 this isn't just like a South Park. <laughs> there is, right. This is different. Or, or, or even like Bob's Burgers. Just stick, this is, stick with it. I promise there's more to this. It's it's not yeah, apparent definitely. yet, but I promise there's more to this. Speaking of more to this um, and it being such an important show and doing so much better than a lot of the other standard adult cartoons or shows really of any type we had todd coming out as asexual explicitly and yeah he tells another person ambiguity in this episode which is amazing because you know there was speculation i think for a time where they were wondering uh where fans were wondering if that was going to be ever explicitly stated or if this was just some kind of uh uh, subtextual coding. Uh, well, that turned out not to be the case. As of this episode, we now know that Todd is properly identifying himself as asexual. Uh, the, the fact that he decides that he that this is important enough to him that he's going to attend a meeting about it. He's going to attend a meetup, and that is why he misses his triangle solo at the end of the episode. 
which made the lion conductor and indeed all of us say, oh, well, good for him. Good for him. Yeah. It's really, really fantastic. And that kind of kind of storybook ending voice that mm. that the lion did, you know, just the oh, good for him, you know. And so our good story closes him. with you know or whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I really appreciated the 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 framing device around this episode about like, you know, one of these days I hope he prioritizes himself. Um. You know, again, farcically and comically. He does, you know, by standing up to Bojack and telling him how he feels. He does when he decides that the asexuality meetup is more important to him than the triangle solo. You know, throughout the episode, he's doing all of these favors for other people who don't necessarily really appreciate it as much as the audience does because they're unaware of what else he's even doing. Because he's doing stuff for Princess Carolyn. He's doing stuff for... Uh, for Diane, he's doing stuff for Hollyhock, he's doing stuff for Mr. Peanut Butter, and uh, all this time, everyone's like, oh yeah, you know, Todd's so lazy, all he does is sleep on the couch. And it's like, well, no, his days are actually pretty full if you think about it. Yeah, Katrina even explicitly says, hey, Todd, you do nothing, why don't you, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because, like, you know, it's one of those things where he's the, um, you know, he's like the background radiation. People, people mm. don't necessarily think that he, you know, all of a sudden just breakfast shows up. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, people don't yeah. think like, oh, yeah, a person did this for me. It's just like, you know, he has ingrained himself so much in these people's lives that they, if he had stopped doing any of this, they would absolutely notice. But. Oh, sure. As he just keeps the, he keeps the wheels turning a little bit. Nobody does. Yeah. Um, he's like the glue. He is. He really is. He he's also undoubtedly not getting paid by the campaign, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> despite being what appears to be an administrative assistant. Oh well. Oh well. That's also a fun specter that looms over the modern democratic process. Pay your interns, well, people. Anywho. Indeed. Um. Anywho. Anywho. Uh, yeah, so, you know, good for him for putting himself first, good for him for explicitly labeling himself. That is a, a hard barrier to overcome. Um, yeah, good for him for standing up for himself. We love that Todd. And I think that it's really great. I love that Todd. Love that, love Todd. that Todd. Love that for him. I think that it's... <laughs> love that for him. What I think is particularly fantastic about this uh, aspect of Todd's being and personalities is the fact that he's asexual is that it, you know this is not the last that we're going to hear of it uh there's an entire b-plot surrounding his uh romantic relationship in season five and uh even beyond that it comes up again in season six i won't say how but it does and uh it's really 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 fantastic stuff that they that they prioritized this and that they made respectful and interesting plot points for Todd from this. It continues to come up. One one example, though, is obviously in season five when he is uh, meeting the parents of his axolotl girlfriend. Wow, I sorry. I I near complete forgot about that episode, and I'm just remembering, isn't there a very large gallon drum of lube or something? Yes, there is. Like 50 gallon drum of lube? Uh, mm. Love this show. Love this show. Leslie. What are you trying to imply about Dr. Zoidberg? <laughs> I would never. I would never. How dare you? All right. We, we definitely have one plot line left, which is uh, Diane is kind of being, um, 
not manipulated necessarily, but sort of poised uh, into a position uh, that is going to ignite the conflict in the next episode where she writes a story about Mr. Peanut Butter's uh, Mm -hmm. lackluster political stances, uh, to say the least, uh, where, you know, uh, she's over at Girl Crush and um, her boss is, you know, kind of having that conversation of like, we really like what you're putting out on the site. We have so many articles that people care about, and it's nice to know that, you know, no, <laughs> we have your think pieces that no one gives a shit about. Um, you know, right. she, the, the, the flame has been lit. You know, the, the burner is on, and, and it's coming to a point where she needs the big scoop, the big attention-grabbing scoop. Um, and in the next Definitely. episode, it is going to be suggested, well, why don't you write against your husband? Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so that that is certainly happening. Uh, boy, I wish our political journalism was better. Um, oh, also one of my one of my well, favorite gags, and also what I think is an appropriate commentary, is just where um, Bojack or where uh, <clears throat> something that I think is one of the better gags, and I think is an appropriate piece of commentary, is when Mister Peanut Butter gives his facts and feelings speech. Um, Somebody asks uh, if he can elaborate on that. He gives another non-answer. And then that political reporter just walks away going, well, I'm satisfied. Well, I'm satisfied. Yeah. Yeah. Showing that if you reword things enough times, you can appeal to everybody. Absolutely. (laughs) Folks, did you know you can just give non-answers the entire time and eventually you will get elected? It's very true Uh, sad but true princess carolyn trying to set up todd on this uh this fake dating uh adventure Mm. uh leads to uh uh, two kind of um conversations about like i don't know hypocritical media i guess uh which is one that at that Mm. fashion show um you know he showcases off what is undoubtedly like a goodwill hoodie and uh some beanie cap that he's had for like 10 years or whatever and uh tim gunn and shark jacobs uh are trying to sell that shit for like 10k a pop 10,000 yeah fifty thousand dollars i think is what she said the the uh the beanie was ah even worse um not yeah it's pretty bad not to quote macklemore but fifty dollars for a (laughs) t-shirt yeah (laughs) yeah um Oh, God. Yeah. Macklemore was right about one thing. I don't know. I haven't listened to his other songs. He's been right about, like, three things, I think. But <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, yeah, anyway, so, you know, fashion is, n- <laughs> fashion is not accessible unless it's, like, actually accessible. Not because it looks accessible. Right. Right. Whether that's, uh, whether that's $10,000 for a hoodie or uh, 200 bucks for ripped, pre-ripped jeans or whatever. Just because yeah. it looks accessible doesn't mean it is. Um, Truth. And then also, um, I did kind of find it funny that uh, the Courtney Portnoy, Portnoy, whatever her name is. Portnoy. Yeah. Courtney Portnoy. Courtney yeah. Portnoy. We, we don't appreciate them enough, probably because we literally cannot verbalize them, but we don't appreciate enough uh, Princess Carolyn's extremely long, like, set-up pun alliterative jokes. Yeah. Um, probably because, yeah. like, we can enjoy them, but we could not repeat them. Right, and all we can do is say, like, oh, yeah, they're really great and funny. We can't possibly duplicate. Like, those jokes are absolutely a you just got to be there. Yeah. Like, you just got to be there and appreciate the tongue ties, the tongue twists, the amazing delivery of said long, 
yeah, I, puns that get set up. Uh, and this episode has a lot of them, particularly concerning Courtney Portaway. Yeah, I do not have Amy Sedaris' delivery skills, nor do I have the... And her uh, hoi polloi boy toy. Yeah, there we go. Um, but I do find it funny that the movie that she is up for is Miss Taken, which I presume is the female reboot of the Taken movies. Um, yes, which is Taken. You know, the female reboot, which I imagine will be like, you know, the feminist retelling of the Taken franchise. Um, and I don't know. It, it, I can't think of a specific uh, modern example in our current remake culture. But like, just because you put a woman, a woman, a woman, a woman. Just because you put a woman in the lead of a franchise like that doesn't automatically make it feminist because the Taken franchise is still based on horrific racism and Islamophobia. I don't know anything about the Taken franchise. Oh, uh, uh, it's about Liam Neeson. So I can't comment. It's about Liam Neeson protecting his uh, lily white daughter from the scourges of uh, brown people who would do her harm. Of course. It, it is a, Of course. It is a little bit of a racist fantasy. You know, they're coming for our daughters hmm. sort of movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> demand better of Hollywood, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they should stop making those movies. Not that that's... Yeah. I mean... Uh, it's a bummer that Liam Neeson never uh, made a movie after Batman Begins in 2005. wonder what he's up to these days. Okay. Don't know. Hope he's doing well. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's a weird stance to say Liam Neeson's a little racist. He literally he literally had that horrible interview like a year ago. I don't remember it. Oh, the interview where he said he was looking for any black man to kill after... Oh my god, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah. Jesus. Like, yeah, I'd completely forgotten about that. Yeah. Wow. It's a, it's a bummer Liam Neeson wow. never made a movie after 2005. Yeah. Batman Begins was pretty good. Yep, it's oh, true. Well, too bad that was the end of it. <laughs> that was the end of that. Uh, folks, this is a Forces and Men with Leslie and Ben. Oh, uh, real quick, favorite jokes? Mine's the law firm one. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. So I have... Uh, probably, honestly, probably I know when that Todd line playing. When he has his different... Todd's phone. I know when that Todd line playing. Nothing sets this episode harder in 2016. <laughs> than, than a reference to Drake's hotline bling. Honestly, so true. Uh, folks, this is of Horses and Men with Leslie and Ben. I have been the Ben of that. You can find me online at Ben C. Hamlin, that is B-E-N-C-H-A-M-L-I-N, over on Twitter.com, where I am always reminding you that Liam Neeson's a little bit racist. You can find me at Vanetti uh, on Twitter.com, V-A-N-E-T-T-I, where I will piggyback off of Ben talking about people being racist, usually. And uh, also discussing all sorts of fun things like uh, what's going on with the romance writers right now, Bojack Horseman, and lots of other fun stuff. Uh, folks, you can find us both at infinitybreak.net, where we're telling stories our own way. That's Infinity Break 23 on any social media platform. We have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash infinitybreak. Uh, you can support our show there. You can leave a five-star review. You can email us with your, your feedback, which we greatly appreciate. We got a very nice email about a month ago that we we, we adore. And we've gotten yeah. so many emails since then because we're a very popular podcast. Uh, or you yeah, can just, so many. <laughs> or you can just tell your friends about us. Uh, we have a Discord, uh, bit.ly forward slash infinity talk. Uh, just, you know, hey, help us spread the word. Help us uh, Help us make this big. Uh, I guess we're we're well past yeah. the halfway point, but you know there's still plenty ahead. Uh, once again, I've been yep. Ben. 
And I've been Leslie. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Thank <laughs> you.